Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. You can visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today. Our guests include Bob Levy. He's the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about key cases coming out of the last Supreme Court session. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. It is August the 2nd, and on this day in 1776, members of Congress affixed their signatures to an enlarged copy of the Declaration of Independence. 56 congressional delegates in total signed the document, including some who were not present at the vote approving the Declaration. The delegates signed by the state from north to south, beginning with Joshua Bartlett of New Hampshire and ending with George Walton of Georgia. John Dickinson of Pennsylvania and James Duane, Robert Livingston and John Jay of New York refused to sign. Carter Braxton of Virginia, Robert Morris of Pennsylvania, George Reed of Delaware, and Edward Rutledge of South Carolina opposed the document but signed it in order to give the impression of a unanimous Congress. Five delegates were absent. Generals George Washington, John Sullivan, James Clinton, and Christopher Gadsden, and Virginia Governor Patrick Henry. Exactly one month before the signing of the document, Congress had accepted a resolution put forward by Richard Henry Lee that stated resolved that these United States United Colonies are and of the right ought to be free and independent states. They are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. Congress adopted the more poetic Declaration of Independence drafted by Thomas Jefferson two days later on July the 4th. The President of Congress, John Hancock, and its Secretary, Charles Thompson, immediately signed the handwritten draft, which was dispatched to nearby printers. On July the 18th, Congress decided to produce a handwritten copy to bear all delegates' signatures. Secretary Thompson's assistant, uh, Philadelphia Quaker and merchant Timothy Matlack, penned the draft. News of the Declaration of Independence arrived in London eight days later on August the 10th. The draft bearing the delegate signatures was first printed on January the 18th of the following year by Baltimore printer Mary Catherine Goddard. Think of the time. Think of right now. You can instantaneously get a a message around the world using the Internet and think how long it took just to communicate these thoughts even to Great Britain. Well, a federal grand jury impaneled a federal grand jury impaneled in Washington D.C. handed down a sealed indictment of former President Donald Trump over his alleged incitement of an insurrection on January the sixth, two thousand twenty-one. Special Prosecutor Jack Smith recently sent Trump a target letter accusing the former president of the United States of violating three federal statutes. The indictment handed down by a grand jury and paneled by in the city that voted for Joe Biden 92.15% to Donald Trump's 5.4% is not yet available for public scrutiny as the demand for Joe Biden's Department of Justice. Ahead of the announcement of the indictment, former President Donald Trump posted this on True Social. I hear, I hear that deranged Jack Smith... <laughs> In order to interfere with the presidential election of 2024, we'll be putting out yet another fake indictment of your favorite president, me, at 5 p.m. Why didn't they do this two and a half years ago? Why did they wait so long? Because they wanted to put it right in the middle of my campaign. Prosecutorial misconduct, he said. Jack Smith, a special prosecutor as a DOJ married to Michelle Obama's documentarian, has developed a reputation for pursuing high-profile cases that make headlines but do not always hold up under closer scrutiny in the court. One of Smith's most highly profiled cases prior to his two indictments of former President Trump was in a corruption case against former Virginia Governor Bob McDowell, which ended with the DOJ declining to retry McDonald after the Supreme Court uh, states the charges and it's too bad because mcdonald ended up going bankrupt as i understand it from the fees that he was had to pay legal fees count one is conspiracy to defraud the united states (laughs) 
<laughs> this is so absurd. Count two, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. Count three is obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding. And uh, count four is conspiracy against rights. Unbelievable. This is all uh, made-up stuff. It's got not in a basis of law. The indictment was announced the day after President Joe Biden had been implicated in a long-running influence-peddling scheme by his son Hunter's former business partner, Devon Archer, in testimony before the House Oversight Committee, legal eagles uh, Andy McCarthy and Jonathan Turley were decidedly unimpressed with McCarthy saying that Smith had extravagantly stretched the statues, uh, statutes in order to try to capture <clears throat> this behavior. And that's because this is really a proxy for what should have been a political impeachment process. I think these are meritless charges. It just, again, and... and uh, as as we pointed out, this happens the day after the very damaging testimony of Devon Archer. And if you take back at all the indictments that Trump has received, they've always been after some big episode involving uh, the president and his son, Hunter. Fitch Ratings on Tuesday slashed its credit rating in the United States by one step to AA plus from AAA. The rating has a stable outlook and indicating that Fitch does not expect further changes. Moody still retains the top grade for the United States paper uh, and uh, bonds. The rating downgrade of the United States reflects the expected fiscal deterioration over the next three years, a high and growing general government debt burden, and the erosion of governance irrelevant to AA and AAA rated peers over the last two decades have been manifested in repeated debt uh, limit standoffs and high minute, last minute resolutions, Fitch said in a statement explaining the downgrade. <clears throat> Fitch uh, said it expects tighter credit conditions, weakening business investment, and a slowdown in consumption will push the U.S. economy into a mild recession in the final quarter of this year and the first quarter of next year. The ratings agency expects another interest rate hike by Fed, the Fed in September. The U.S. Treasury is set this week to begin a ramp-up in issuance of longer-dated securities that that's likely to stretch into the next year, forced by a rapidly deteriorating budget deficit and soaring interest rates. So that means, you know, with a downgrade of uh, our, our paper, that's going to create uh, perhaps higher interest rates that we'll have to pay to borrow money. That combined with the fact that we have to borrow more money and with inflation, uh, this is not a good mixture of events uh, in order to uh, create the uh, steady the ship for the United States. Well, a story about a former federal agent on a mission to save a child from sex traffickers in the Columbia jungle has made more money at the box office than Tom Cruise battling an omnipotent AI super being with an estimated budget of $14.6 million and zero A-list talent, Sound of Freedom has raked in more than $149 million in the United States and Canada since its fourth, uh, July 4th premiere, putting it ahead of uh, Mission Impossible. And not far behind Indiana Jones and the two Hollywood movies, uh, heavy hitters had budgets of 291 and 294 million dollars, respectively. So why the resounding success? A conventional marketing strategy is fueling sales. The lead actor Jim Cavasell appears on screen after the movie and ends urging viewers to pay it forward by buying tickets for others. More than 20% of opening day tickets were purchased in response to this method, bringing in $2.6 million. Pretty clever. A decent critical reception also helped, though some experts have criticized the film for misrepresenting aspects of real-life human trafficking, and nothing could be further from the truth. But you should know that there, and the reason I'm mentioning this, is there are critics of the movie, which is just appalling. If you haven't seen the movie, you should see it, and you can understand and make your, your judgment for your, your own judgment. Uh, President Trump screened it for political allies in his private club in New Jersey at Bedminster, and uh, GOP House Speaker Kevin McCarthy had a viewing of, uh, for an event for lawmakers. Pretty incredible. Great movie, It's uh, and it should be play, paid forward. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, there are critics. In fact, the AMC Theater's uh, Adam Aaron called allegations that the chain is suppressing viewership. It's, uh, po he pointed out that movie is available at 570 of its locations. It's, the charge is pretty bizarre. 
So for whatever reason, people are trying to downgrade the importance of this movie. It is very important. And there is sex trafficking trafficking for a minors here in the United States like we've never seen before. It needs to come to a stop. And we need, it's going to have to take the American people to get behind, uh, behind stopping uh, sex trafficking in America. Well, uh, multiple Gallup polls conducted this year reveal a significant shift in party affiliation among Americans, upending a trend that has persisted since 1988. According to Gallup's most recent monthly poll conducted in July, 27% of the country now identifies as Republicans, surpassing the 25% who identify as Democrats. However, the largest segment remains independents, constituting 45% of the population. While many of these independents lead towards the Republican Party, a lot of them lean to the Democrat too, the poll demonstrates that uh, when factoring in those independents who lean Republican, the GOP garners support from 45% of respondents. In contrast, 42% of respondents either identify as Democrats or lean Democratic. These findings indicate a notable change in the political landscape, signifying a shift in party identification and preferences among American populace. Pretty important shift there. And I think it's a good sign that perhaps people are beginning to see the light. Well, the Biden administration will begin enforcing a nationwide ban on various types of popular light bulbs as its aggressive energy efficiency agenda. Under the Department of Energy's regulations, manufacturers and retailers will be prohibited from selling incandescent and similar halogen light bulbs which represent a sizable share of the current light bulb supplies. Instead, manufacturers and retailers must sell light-emitting diode or LED alternatives or risk substantial federal penalties. It's impossible for Democrats to leave us alone. States must fight back, said Representative Bob Good from Virginia. He tweeted ahead of the demand. And why these folks think they can make better decisions for us than than we can make for ourselves is... Beyond understanding, again, most Democrats that can't even manage their own lives efficiently and they're trying to manage ours, unbelievable. Well, a Major League Baseball's trade deadline passed last night and there was already an eventful deadline entering Tuesday and we saw more trades throughout the afternoon. Met star Justin Verlander became the latest big name to be traded. He was heading back to the Astros. The Mets also traded veteran ace Max Scherzer to the Rangers on Saturday. Prior to Tuesday, there's other notable names that have been dealt. Lucio uh, Lucas Golito from the White Sox to the Angels. Lance Lynn from the White Sox to the Dodgers. Jordan Montgomery, Cardinals to Rangers. Uh, Jordan Hicks, Cardinals to Blue Jays. And Jameer Candelario, Nationals to Cubs. Those best players in baseball stayed put as the Angels committed to making a pay- playoff push with free agent-to-be uh, Shohani Otani. Shohei Otani. So uh, pretty active yesterday. I, I'm a Red Sox fan, I admit that, and uh, they didn't do much. Uh, but uh, uh, if you see, what happens is many times uh, people unload all their uh, minor league talent to get some big player, and it doesn't end up getting the uh, World Series championship. So... Uh, perhaps best to play it close to the vest. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. He is the Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to defending free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Thank you, Bob. Very robust website. I hope you check it out, Cato.org. So, Bob, we started last week by talking about the highlights of the Supreme Court session of last session. I think selected seven of the cases. I think there are about 40 that were considered at the time. Maybe you can correct me on that. But nevertheless, the, uh, one of them is uh, this uh, 303 creative case. Uh, it's a trade-off between free speech and gay rights. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yep, that case was uh, called 303 creative versus Alanis, one mm. of actually 59 <clears throat> cases that were resolved uh, this term. Mm. So the, the question was whether a Colorado website designer could refuse to create a website for a same-sex wedding. And there were a number of constitutional rights at issue, including freedom of association, free speech, religious exercise, and, of course, non-discrimination. So uh, a quick recap. The, The First Amendment provides that individuals can't be compelled to say things that they find offensive. So it's not just freedom to speak. It's freedom not to speak as well. Mm -hmm. So the key in this case was the message, not the gay couple who wanted to acquire the website. So 303 Creative had stipulated, both parties had stipulated, that the company would not refuse to serve gay people. The owner, Lori Smith, said she would design them a website for just about any occasion, with one exception, not for their wedding. Nor would she design a same-sex wedding website if it were requested uh, by by you and me as a gift to the, to the gay couple. Mm. Uh, and, and she wouldn't design websites containing other messages that offended her uh, beliefs, like uh, a site that promoted abortion. So to Smith, it, it was the message that mattered. It was not the fact that the customers uh, happened to be gay. 
So much is being said that the court prioritized free speech or non-discrimination. Well, I think the court had to establish some limiting principles. You know, otherwise, uh, Lori Smith, she, she might have been directed by the court to design a website displaying the words, God loves gay marriage, which obviously she would find deeply offensive. Mm. Or you might have Jewish tailors that would be told they had a fashion Nazi clothing or, or black-owned restaurants would have to cater to, uh, to Klan meetings. So, you know, the appropriate criterion, in my view, should be whether the product conveys a message that offended the seller, not whether the buyer happened to be gay. So Justice Gorsuch uh, agreed. He wrote the opinion for a 6-3, the court uh, divided along ideological grounds. And he held that the First Amendment prohibits Colorado from forcing this website designer to create expressive designs containing messages with which she disagrees. So, Lori Smith can speak her mind, uh, regardless of whether the government considers her speech to be sensible or well-intentioned, or, or even whether the government thinks it's misguided. Websites are clearly expressive speech. And Colorado's anti-discrimination law was not immune from the overriding demands of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, Sotomayor and the other two liberals, Kagan and Jackson, they three uh, dissented. <clears throat> they claimed that state law targets conduct and not speech, and that discrimination has never constituted protected speech. And Sotomayor wrote, and this is, I think, instructive, she wrote, this is a quote, our Constitution contains no right to refuse service to a disfavored group. So that statement, I think, completely misreads the case. Right. Because, as I noted, you know, Lori Smith did not refuse service to gay people. She simply refused to promote gay marriage. So, so where does this leave us? I mean, uh, are, do you think there's going to be more litigation on these topics? Definitely. Unfortunately, the court didn't tell us how to distinguish uh, speech from conduct. I would have opted for a brighter line uh, rule. I would have asked, you know, first, is, is this a standard off-the-shelf product, or is it a customized made-to-order article mm -hmm. that requires some unique input <clears throat> by, the, by the seller? So if the item were standardized, then yes, it has to be provided to everybody without discrimination. But Second, if the item isn't standardized, if it's custom designed, does it convey a message that offends the seller? And if so, then third, is the seller able to communicate that she objects to the message? So I think in brief, sellers should not be forced to engage in transactions that express disagreeable messages that they don't have an opportunity to rebut. It's not like a ton. There's not a ton of uh, website designers out there. They had a, <laughs> a big choice of website designers. Exactly, exactly. Same as in the previous case involving the baker. There were, I don't know, sixty-seven bakery shops uh, within a few miles of the one that was at issue. So it's not as if there were no choices involved. So let's switch to election law. How's the court treated gerrymandering cases? Well, there are two types: there are racial gerrymandering and partisan gerrymandering. And in the in the past, uh, the federal courts have been willing to address this redistricting problem uh, by state legislatures when the motive has been racial discrimination. But federal courts have avoided these questions when the motive has been to gain or preserve partisan political advantage. Instead, uh, the federal courts have labeled those partisan cases as a political question for which there are no established judicial standards hmm. and which therefore have to be resolved by the voters and not by uh, the federal courts. But this term, uh, the court did decide this one partisan gerrymandering case, but the decision addressed a procedural issue and not a substantive issue. You know, Bob, I recall uh, cases here in Florida. I guess there would be it's because it's the state Supreme Court that made the decisions and not the federal courts, but uh, where uh, gerrymandering has been considered. I'm talking about political. Absolutely right. The states are, are free to adopt different procedures, and most of them have weighed in state courts 
on the partisan gerrymandering issue, but the federal courts have not. They've declared it to be a political question. So with respect to uh, partisan gerrymandering, what were the issues in Moore versus Harper? Well, it, this happened in North Carolina, and the Republicans <clears throat> there sued because the uh, Supreme Court in North Carolina had uh, <clears throat> struck down a uh, redistricting map on the grounds of partisan gerrymandering. The Republicans wanted that map reinstated. Now, interestingly, the issue before the U.S. Supreme Court was not whether the redrawn districts were permissible, mm -hmm. because remember I said federal courts treat that as a political question, but rather whether the state court <clears throat> had any role in monitoring what the state legislature had done. And the reason for that uh, controversy is that the elections clause in the U.S. Constitution says the time, place, and manner of congressional elections shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature. Yeah. It doesn't say that the state courts can review those legislative acts. So this case was a test of this so-called independent state legislature doctrine. That's the notion that courts may not review election-related laws that are passed by the state legislature. The question for the U.S. Supreme Court was whether the term legislature in Article II of the U.S. Constitution, whether it be interpreted literally to exclude, for example, the governor and to exclude state courts, or did the term refer more broadly to an entire lawmaking system where the legislature passes the, the law, the governor signs it, and then the courts get to review it. And that, of course, has been the universal practice in all of the states uh, since the framing era. So the, the implications here were very far-reaching, because if this independent state legislature doctrine were to be affirmed, then state courts would not be able to second-guess, for example, uh, attempts to have several state legislatures overturn the will of the voters, as President Trump attempted to do. So interesting. Bob, we're going to have to pick it up next week. We'll find out exactly how this was resolved by the Supreme Court. Again, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. I refer our listeners again to the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good being with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up. Uh, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you'll go to the website and uh, get some tickets. GulfShorePlayhouse.org is the website. GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. So you typically we start our conversations with some good news. Do you have some good news for us? Uh, yeah, I've got a few stories that can be construed as good news. I, I just want to start out with a not good news statement, which is this is a, a difficult day uh, for me, and I believe for most most uh, patriotic Americans. I think yesterday was uh, perhaps an exclamation point on, on what we've been seeing for the past uh, past several years, many years, uh, in terms of the corruptions of our government. So uh, yesterday, though, I think it uh, it reached a, a new low point, and uh, so that's that's the mood and the emotional state I'm in going into my comments. But let, let me move past that for the moment. Now, uh, just, just to the, clarify. Uh, Judge Noriega, uh, rejection of the Hunter Biden plea deal was certainly good news. It was an obvious ruling, I believe, but certainly it would not have been one coming from a, uh, a progressive judge. Now, I'm not suggesting Mary is a conservative judge. I just think she clearly understands the law, and she could not give universal uh, uh, clearance for all Biden's crimes, regardless of what they were. Even Weiss said he couldn't define the crimes that were currently being investigated, including whether uh, Biden was being investigated as a foreign agent which ultimately will probably, in all great likelihood, be the, the, the most serious charge uh, allegation brought against Biden, as a, uh, Joe, Hunter Biden, and as an extension, Joe Biden. So I think Mary Aker's ruling was, was, was a proper one, uh, certainly not politicized in its implication, but one that uh, would not have taken place with a progressive judge, Bob. You know, thanks for pointing that out. I was just going to comment that what happened yesterday for our listeners' benefit is, of course, you're probably referring to the indictment of President Donald Trump. And a sad day indeed on one hand. On the other hand, it's just another expression of the corruption of the Democrat Party. And the culture is sick within that party. And I think that's more reflects on the culture in the Democrat Party than on President Donald Trump. I think that's absolutely true. I, I think it's a, a perhaps a larger statement, if I might, than, uh, than e even what you're suggesting. I think this is the media. I think it's our educational uh, institutions. And I think it's a, a, a large percentage of the American people. I'm not going to say a majority, but uh, a large percentage. Uh, I think Americans can no longer ask the question of how Germans uh, could have fallen under the sway of the Nazi party. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, for many, for decades since the, the advent of Nazism, Americans have said, how could the Germans, a, a very civilized people, have become so tainted uh, by this party? And yet here we are in America, and I'm not directly equating the, uh, the current progressive to the Nazi party, but I am suggesting that I think America currently represents how a great civilized nation can fall under the sway of a corrupt political organization, Bob. It's so true. I mean, you take a look at the charges that are leveled uh, towards uh, President Donald Trump, and they all have to do with free speech and uh, our personal freedoms and the, the Bill of Rights. And my goodness, we're trying to redefine the, the Constitution. It's just, it's unfathomable. I just can't believe it's happening. You know, and, and I, with, with, on top of that, not, not rejecting that at all, of course, uh, but this tit-for-tat argument is certainly a, uh, one that suggests that this is a, uh, a circumstance where uh, for, for decades, going back to 2004 at least, uh, Democrats have consistently done exactly what President Trump is being accused of doing, which is to challenge election results. Uh, I, I guess we could take this back to 2000 and the, uh, and the, the, the hanging tag uh, issue. Uh, uh, what is that? Chit issue, right? Uh, but in any case, this is not an unusual phenomenon for American politics, uh, except, of course, when Donald Trump became involved in, uh, and now the attempt to destroy him. This ongoing theme that many are uh, voicing that somehow the Democrats are pursuing these indictments and uh, possible convictions only with the intent of getting Trump nominated uh, for the uh, for, by the Republican Party in 2024 
so that they can defeat him. This type of, of uh, amazing uh, in, interplay of forces that the Democrats theoretically are invoking, I think is absolutely absurd. That is not what's happening. This is a serious attempt to, uh, to uh, damage and, if possible, destroy Donald Trump. Uh, and I find it, as an American, I find it a, a dramatic embarrassment at this point uh, to be an American, Bob. Well, I would agree with that. And you notice, of course, that Devin Archer uh, testified the day before behind closed doors. We don't have the transcript yet, but we understand some of the things that he said were extremely damaging to uh, Biden. And uh, notice that uh, and there's a pattern here of uh, these indictments that are coming down against Trump the day after or the same day as uh, Biden is uh, in trouble uh, with uh, what's going on. I mean, he's clearly guilty, and he needs to be tried or impeached, quite frankly. But uh, all, all of this is a diversion, uh, 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 these attacks on Trump, uh, against a, a diversion away from uh, the, uh, the problems of uh, Biden. Yeah, I think the defense made of these uh, Hunter Biden phone calls that somehow he was making small talk with Russia, with the Ukrainian oligarchs at dinner is, is patently absurd. Everybody knows that, but the, the Democrats are not reluctant to, uh, to offer the absurd to their, uh, to their audience uh, because they've, they've successfully uh, done that for years with these people that they have, they have brainwashed over the past several decades. So uh, there's, there's no story, regardless of how ridiculous, that the Democrats now think they can't get away with. And I think the explanation for Hunter Biden, and of course by extension, and I think this is the real issue, uh, Joe Biden, uh, is, is being, being defended, Bob. No question about it. Anyway, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Bob Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, helping prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the state legislatures. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us again Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Bob. Andy, uh, any more good news for us? It's a good news story. I think uh, I would say collectively the uh, Republicans, uh, the candidates, the primary candidates are offering some pushback for the uh, indictments against Trump. 
um, some more dramatic and, and um, stronger than, than others. I think Ramaswamy's uh, comments were, were stronger than, uh, than, than most of them. Uh, I think uh, I, I found it unfortunate, for example, when Ron DeSantis indicated that he has to, he has to read the indictments before he can uh, arrive at a final opinion. Now, this sounds very, very uh, objective and very appropriate. Um, on the other hand, at this point, is it really necessary, considering the, the outrages that have been dumped on President Trump, yeah. uh, that somehow Ron DeSantis has to wait to read the indictment before he can come up with a firm opinion? Now, again, as I say, that sounds very dignified, objective, and legal. On the other hand, I think it's, it's, it's yielding to a, an ongoing and consistent fraudulent uh, attack process against Donald Trump. Uh, Tim Scott has indicated, as as many do, unfortunately, the two-tier system of justice. Now, two-tier system of justice is true, but in fact, it doesn't defend Donald Trump. It merely suggests that, uh, yes, Trump should be, I'm suggesting this is what it suggests, uh, that it suggests that Trump should be indicted, but others should be indicted also. I find that to be a a half-hearted defense of Donald Trump. I think what I like to hear, and it's, it's, it's rare at this point, where somebody comes out and just says, the obvious, which is this: this is an ongoing uh, corrupt assault on Donald Trump, uh, and those those remarks, unfortunately, are few and far between, Bub. You know, uh, I'm going to suggest that uh, right now, I, I think Governor DeSantis has done a fantastic job here in the state of Florida. I really respect him and like what he's done as as our leader here in Florida. Uh, on the other hand, he's entered the presidential campaign, and he seems to be speaking from a different side. Of, he comes from a different place. I think it's, you know, the Supreme Court has ruled that money is voice, is, is freedom of speech. And unfortunately, I think DeSantis has modified his messages in order to appease the people that are investing in his campaign. I, I think that's true, and he has a serious problem right now, which is the, which are those investors uh, with his numbers not, uh, not moving up. Uh, he's not getting any traction, and I've been saying this uh, on your show for for months and months now. Uh, I have a concern that uh, Ron DeSantis will become a Scott Walker or a Jeb Bush mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what what happens after this campaign is over. In other words, they will sink the political insignificance. Uh, so my concern is uh, for Ron DeSantis and his future politically. I think he should be uh, an outstanding future candidate for the president, and I think in the future would make an outstanding president, but not at this moment. And I think perhaps he's damaging himself in terms of that future projection, Bob. Yeah, well, my suggestion to him would be to simply figure out how to manage his relationship with his investors, the people that are the big money that's backing him, because he can't, he, he needs, one of the things that I, I appreciate so much about Donald Trump is, you may not like everything he says, but he's speaking the truth as he sees it, and uh, he's not influenced by outside money at all. Oh, <laughs> the Democrats seem to think that he is, but irrespective, uh, you know, he he needs to, he needs to uh, modify uh, his uh, responsibilities to his investors, uh, not to the American people. And the consequence of, uh, I think he'll get a second chance. I think he'll run for president in twenty twenty eight, and I think he'll do quite well based on these experiences. One of the things that uh, DeSantis needs to do is to tell his investors, "I appreciate your support. My message is going to be my message." Take it or leave it. <laughs> well, he's going to have to show some numbers during the polls. I mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt that uh, they're, they're not going to keep pumping millions into a campaign that right. is not showing any, uh, any movement uh, upward. Uh, now, again, I, I, I know Ron is, uh, is, is, a, is a good man, perhaps uh, even in the, in the category of a great man in many ways, the way he's challenged the, uh, the woke establishment in Florida and I think preserved uh, freedom for Floridians more right. so than any other state in the Union. Right. So, I mean, I really admire this guy. I just don't want to see him damaged, and I hope you're right, of course. Uh, I hope that he stays strong, and I think the future. I hope the future is 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 a, is a good one for him. Uh, so I, th- that's how I think we both stand at this point on Ron DeSantis. Uh, others have not shown themselves, in, in my estimation, to be uh, to be significant by any measurement. Uh, so I think that we're talking about uh, Trump certainly or DeSantis. Uh, no one else has a uh, as a possibility of reaching the, uh, the 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 primary win that that would be needed, Bob. Thank you, Andy. By the way, all this is reminding me of your column, which I posted this morning, the plague of stupidity here in the United States. I don't know if it's appropriate time, whether you'd move to a different topic, but I was wondering if you could tell us about that. Well, I, I was... Uh 
that column was derived from a quotation from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the uh, the famed uh, cleric in, in Nazi Germany who eventually was executed by uh, by Hitler. Uh, but he offered a comment, uh, and I offered it in its in its entirety. I'll I'll give you just an excerpt from it here. Uh, he said, Bonhoeffer said, "Stupidity is a more dangerous enemy of the good than malice." He said, one may protest against evil. It can be exposed and, if need be, prevented by use of force. Evil always carries within itself the germ of its own subversion in that it leaves behind in human beings at least a sense of, of unease. Yeah. Against stupidity, we are defenseless. So from that <laughs> comment, which certainly uh, rang true to me in terms of current America, I think we're looking at a, a plague of stupidity, and that is what I wrote about. Uh, I think uh, perhaps the actions uh, in, by some people's perce- perceptions uh, can be defined as evil, um, satanically driven. All of those, uh, those words can be invoked. But I think Bonhoeffer's words are far more uh, accurate as far as I, I see America that we're being driven by stupid people at this point, Bob. Well, or uninformed. Uh, the, 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 uh, my concern is, of course, the, uh, the electorate in many cases, especially those who vote Democrat, are just uninformed about uh, the Constitution and uh, what they're uh, observing. The evil ones are the ones that are pushing this nonsense, uh, but it's the sheep out there that are, are uninformed that are following it. I think the I think you're right, but I think the question is: uh, Are they willingly uninformed? In other words, if you're stupid, you have no intent of being uh, being uh, wise or being knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think people who are stupid, limited in their intellectual capacities to process uh, information rationally, uh, are somehow going to reject any kind of information that is outside their little uh, their little scope of, of focus. Uh, so I think you're right, but I think it's a it's a matter of willingness to be uninformed, and I think that. That is what plagues millions of Americans right now, Bob. Yeah, I'm going to refer our listeners to uh, my website. Uh, it's uh, bobharden.com. Check out, there's a pull-down tab at the top of the website. It says, correct me if I'm wrong. That's why we put Andy's uh, columns. And you can check out this column about the plague of stupidity here in the United States. It's really uh, well done. So uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts about the American elections going forward? Well, I'm still very concerned, as many people are becoming uh, increasingly concerned about the the legality of it. I, I read more and more, and uh, it just reinforces my <clears throat> my existing concerns that I've that I've had almost through my entire adult life. That uh, all issues become uh, insignificant if elections are being manipulated and controlled. Uh, I certainly felt. Uh, and still do with with no reason to to doubt my my views uh, is that Joe Biden sitting in his basement in 2020 during that presidential campaign was a strong indication that the fix was in. Right. Uh, now all the absurdities about uh, this the election being legal and all verified all that was verified was the the original illegality. Right. Uh, so this election that election was uh, was corrupt and I've seen nothing significant enough to. Uh, 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 to put my fears aside about what lies ahead in 2024. I know the Democrat. I know this as an absolute fact. If, if the Democrats can cheat, they will cheat. Right. Now, that leaves open, uh, can they do it? Uh, I think the, that has been left open because nothing has happened to prevent it. Uh, but this is not a matter of the, the Democrats being too, uh, uh, too, uh, honest and too committed to, uh, to constitutional reality uh, to, ne- to ever do that. Of course, they would if they could. Now, the question is only, as I say, can they do it, Bob? Right. When I come back to the comments that we made earlier in the show, that it's, it's really the culture of the Democrat Party is so corrupt uh, that uh, they, they have no sense of right or wrong. It's simply uh, power and money. That's exactly that's their focus. It's not uh, serving the American people. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see that on on full display in the uh, the, the indictments and the tr- the trial, perhaps ahead of for Donald Trump in Washington D.C. The the judge that's been appointed uh, appointed for his uh, his most recent indictments uh, is a an Obama appointee in 2014. Uh, she is, is a long history of progressive viewpoints. Uh, plus, of course, any jury in in Washington D.C. is going to be loaded with progressives. So uh, I I don't understand why they can't get a change of venue 
for Trump uh, moving it out of Washington. Uh, perhaps it, perhaps that'll be pursued, and I'm ho- I hope they're successful with that. Bob. I as well, Andy. We need to take a little break, and you stick around. I'll be here. Bob. All right, we're gonna have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with live chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu you or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that uh, Lulabee's Diner, of course, a great place to have breakfast or lunch that's in the green tree shopping center now serving dinner wednesday through saturday 4 to 8 p.m the menu is terrific great value informal don't need a reservation just stop by and have a great time at lulabee's diner in the green tree shopping center we continue the conversation with andrew joppa professor and author of josephus of oz again andy thank you so much for joining us good morning bob and for your your listeners if they want to have breakfast with me and bob and a few of our friends uh, Friday of next week, we're going to be having breakfast at 9 at Lulabee's, so you can perhaps join us. Uh, we always like to, to break bread at Lulabee's, uh, and always such an interesting discussion as well. So, uh, Andy, let's uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to move to a topic about we're not talking about enough, I don't think, in the media, which is uh, climate change. Any thoughts? Well, I think climate change is being talked about a lot, but not from a any position of... of uh, rational thought or using real numbers. So, right. I, but I think there's some numbers coming out now that really are are impressive. Uh, uh, from from my viewpoint, uh, I don't think they're challengeable based on the source. Uh, for example, I just I just saw a temperature um, uh, chart for from 1890 up through the present day, uh, and uh, pr- 
all of those years, except except for 1930, there was no spike increase at all, no no dramatic increase in temperatures from 1890 uh, through the through the 2022 year. Uh, of the 81 percent of the reporting stations during that period showed temperatures the same as average or below average during that time period. Uh, so we we're, we hear constantly uh, that the temperatures rising, and now the United Nations is is talking about the planet boiling, uh, that's all nonsense because, again, uh, the charts, these are objective charts, show no meaningful uh, temperature increase over that, over that time frame. If we look at some other pieces of information that can be uh, brought to bear, I mentioned this uh, last week. Uh, in Los Angeles, they had a, uh, a period of 60 days uh, where the temperature did not go above 80 degrees. That was from May 1st, I think, to the end of June. Uh, that was the longest streak, uh, longest streak in history. Uh, Antarctic's last six months were the, were the coldest on record. In India, the cold waves broke all records, shut schools, and, and, and created all kinds of problems, including a measurable excess death toll of 40,000. Now, the people who are talking about the, the dangers of heat, like uh, there was a story the other day where they talked about uh, 12 people, a dozen people have died of heat-related causes in Texas and Louisiana, as if that's a significant number. Uh, in India, the winter death toll, based on normal death statistics, it was 40,000 people. In Europe, uh, the last year report this, there were 30, 31,000 excess deaths because of cold. So we, we can make the point, and it's, it's an objective point, that cold is far more detrimental to the human experience uh, than is heat. So all of these uh, doomsday prophets uh, built on the excess heat of this, uh, of this planet uh, are wrong. Uh, and by the way, I saw another story, I think earlier last or late last week, uh, indicating there was a massive underground or underwater volcanic eruption that threw so much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere atmosphere that in itself, if there was any real measurable global spike in temperature, could have caused that spike. So I don't know enough about that particular event to, uh, to document it. But I would say that the people that should be giving us objective, balanced information on these, uh, these climate change or global warming issues are not doing that. They cherry pick and they are, they are trying to scare us and they've succeeded. If you look at the younger generations, they are terrified, apparently terrified of of climate change. So I think this is a dangerous trend because these younger generations are the ones that are going to be making decisions about controlling carbon in the future, Bob. Well, and the narrative, of course, the mainstream media is supporting the whole notion that we're going through a heat wave right now. Uh, Dave Welsh is, a, is an expert in energy, and uh, he's frequently on the uh, uh, Steve Bannon's war room, and he says that the, really that it's a rounding error of the increase in, in the heat on, around the planet, and yet the narrative is that we're going through this process, and now Democrats are encouraging the president to declare a climate emergency, if you can believe that. Now, that'll lead to all the things that we've uh, dreaded about the uh, pandemic, including uh, lockdowns and masks, you name it, and trying to control our behavior. So uh, this is, we don't need this. Well, once, once an emergency uh, circumstance is declared, then almost anything is possible. They can control the uh, means of communication. They can, can control the, the power grid. Uh, they can do almost whatever they want during a state of emergency. Uh, so we're looking at just one, uh, one illustration. Uh, I believe at this point incandescent light bulbs have been totally banned nationwide right. uh, by President uh, Biden's executive order. Uh, if we look at one of the uh, incidental unintended consequences, there is right now a ship burning in the, uh, in the Indian Ocean, I believe it is, Bob, uh, that has 500 electric vehicles on it. It was originally ported as 25, a total of, I believe, 1,500 vehicles. The ship is burning out of control. This is the third incident of this type in the past year and, and the tenth of a similar type in, in history, uh, the type being when an electric vehicle has caught fire fire uh, on a mass cargo transport. This is a dangerous uh, situation, and I think it's an unintended, certainly unintended consequence of pushing rapidly uh, towards the use of electric vehicles, which is being driven by, uh, by the climate change hoax, Bob. No question. One encouraging thing, by the way, is to see that uh, we had a, a nuclear power plant open up 
uh, in uh, in uh, Georgia, I guess it was. It's now serving Florida and uh, South Carolina. It's kind of incredible. But I did not realize that 18% of energy in the United States comes from nuclear power, which is encouraging. And I think we should expand that. Right now, the uh, science that we have can really support uh, this, which is much safer than the nonsense with the windmills and sunbeams that they're trying to... Uh, you and, and by the way, and I wish I was uh, more precise on this, but there, are, there is a different type of <coughs> nuclear power plant that has been developed. It has no chance of melting down. It's, uh, it's a very safe, very controllable. I think it's a sodium-based cooling system as compared to a water-based cooling system. Uh, but I've read about that. Uh, I, I wish I was prepared to, <coughs> to give you more details on it. But even if they move to a, a nuclear power within the the modern uh, construct of the nuclear power plants it is safe if they use the sodium-based cooling system it is absolutely safe so uh, i think you're right 18 percent is a big number it should be bigger at one point uh, france i think was 85 percent nuclear power i don't know what that's holding true uh, at this point bob Again, Andrew Jump, I wish we had more time for this conversation, Andy. We'll have to pick it up next week. Always appreciate your commentary here on the show, and I recommend, again, uh, the uh, Josephus of Oz. Terrific read, not on today's topic, but so interesting. Andy, I really appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining and us. And thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got some great guests for tomorrow. Also, if you enjoyed the show, uh, let your friends know. That's one of the ways we get the word out and support our advertisers. We can't do the show without them. I appreciate that. And I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.